Welcome to the Restored Hope Podcast, where we talk about domestic abuse, trauma, grief recovery, stories of hope and resilience. In each episode, we'll discuss various topics such as why women stay in abusive relationships, the impact of domestic abuse on the victim's health and the children, overcoming adversity, and many more. The podcast provides helpful information to support, inspire, and empower you to regain your confidence and help you on your healing journey to move from that place of pain into your God-given purpose. I am your host, Bisi Dadebo. Thank you for tuning in. Hello and welcome to the Restored Hope podcast. How are you today? It is great Ah. to have you here today. If you're here for the first time, you're welcome. My name is Bisi Gbadibo, and I am your host today. I have a very special guest with me today. He is a consultant, forensic, psychiatrist, and an associate medical director with the Northeast London NHS Foundation. And his name is Dr. Emmanuel. Okoro. Dr. Okoro is also a pastoral surgery lead at his local church, London Riverside Church in Dagenham, Essex. He is married to his beautiful wife, Florence, with three children. You're welcome to the Restored Oak podcast, Dr. Okoro. Thank you, Bissy. A real pleasure to be with you today. Oh, wow. Fantastic. We've been looking forward to this. We've been planning for months. Yeah, <laughs> and finally, finally we're here. <laughs> <laughs> finally we're here. Thank you for yeah. accepting the invite. You know, no, really, and thanks for sharing some of your previous podcasts. I really enjoyed listening to them. No, that's uh, that's good. Thank you, thank you. So tell us more about yourself. Who is Doctor Okoro White, and why did you decide to become a psychiatrist? I, I've been curious about that. I would like to know. <laughs> No, really. Um, Yeah, that's a good question. Um, As would be the case with a lot of doctors, some of us end up where we didn't intend to end up. So my my original aspiration as a doctor was to become an obstetrician, so Mm. to catch babies and look after pregnant women. Okay. Um, But then I moved to the UK and uh, it just so happened that uh, my first clinical attachment, actually the second one, um, was in psychiatry and was in forensic mm. psychiatry. Mm. Um, so the, the fire just caught on from there, really, and uh, the rest is history. Oh, so wow. I abandoned my first dream, so to speak. Oh, wow. But I think, I think I can see why now, because there's a very close link to what I believe to be a personal calling mm. um, by God and my career. So ministry and career sort of, um, you know, I, I agree entirely in terms of what I can bring to be a blessing to my generation. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. That's, that's fantastic. You know, you, you were totally uh, thinking of something else and, you know, God has a way of redirecting, planning, uh, you know, our steps. The steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord and uh, we could have our plans, but God has a way of bring into pass his intents and his purposes, isn't Ad- it? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So share with us, what's your 
typical day like, you know, at work or? Um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, so I'm based within a forensic law secure unit. Okay. Um, um, what that means is that um, I'm in charge of a treatment and rehabilitation of mentally unwell offenders. Mm-hmm. Uh, so forensic psychiatry deals with people who are mentally unwell mm-hmm. and who found themselves on the wrong side of a law. Mm. Um, so we're there to assist the criminal justice system mm. uh, in sort of processing those cases to determine the best disposal mm-hmm. and the management of those cases. Mm. Um, a fraction of those will be obviously found to be mentally unwell, mm. um, either prior to or during the offence mm. or subsequently prior to sentencing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we're required to look after them, to treat them and to rehabilitate them. So that's what I do during my day job. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> and how about your weekend? Because I know you're a busy oh. person. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. So I'm a father of three lovely children. What that means is over the weekend, mm-hmm. you are you are the Uber, Uber driver for them for various <laughs> activities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so my little boy plays football and um, sort of charged with making sure that happens. Yeah. Um, my girl is into athletics. She runs and... Uh, my wife takes care of that. So we, I mean, it's pretty much family and then it's ministry um, mm-hmm. over the weekends. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah. So in a nutshell, yes, that's what my life revolves around family and ministry wow. and a few other things that I do outside of work. Wow. Well done. Well done. You, you are, your week is packed full of, you yeah. know, uh, busy activities. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So tell us two fun things about yourself. Two fun facts. Um, I've been thinking actually what, what would be fun about me if not work, work, work all the time, you know, but, but it's interesting. I, I said something about my daughter uh, being into athletics. We've just come back from um, Israel mm. in um, last month, actually. She competed in, in the um, European Championship for mm-hmm. under 18s. Oh, wow. Wow. And she in 400 meters huddles and she came back with a bronze medal. Mm. Um, she was part of a GB team. Mm. Uh, so that's something I always like to draw about when I have the opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> well done to uh, her. And well done yeah, to abs- you. <laughs> absolutely. And yeah. something about me that most people might not associate with me readily is that I used to be a choir master, actually. Really? I used to, I used to sing. I sing oh, wow. Group. Really? Yeah, I used to minister in songs everywhere. And uh, we had a singing group that went to places and uh, did songs and ministered to people. Um, yeah, but, but that's uh, that's been a long while now. And you can still, um, you know, um, that's your baritone <laughs> voice. You can still lend it yeah, up. The... <laughs> I think so. I think it's still there. I think it's still there somewhere. Yes. yes. Oh yes, oh yes, oh wow, well, that's that, that's good to know that you you used to sing. Okay, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I know you sing as well, so I thought thought that might interest you. Oh yes, oh yes, <laughs> maybe one day we are going to put you on the spot. <laughs> I hope I won't disappoint. <laughs> so today we are talking about depression and how to overcome it. Mm-hmm. So. Um, we all have moments in our lives when we feel sad or have negative thoughts and, and um, you know, some people feel um, probably suicidal as well. And for some, you know, the feelings disappear and for some it kind of persists for months, even for years. 
So yeah. in in this case, you know what? Um, let let me have to this way. What what is depression? What what is mm. depression? Mm. Thank you very. I think it's a good point to start. Mm. Um. So depression, just generally speaking, refers to uh, a mood disorder mm-hmm. um, in which there's a lowering of our mood state, um, mm. which then goes on to affect uh, the way you think, mm. how you feel, mm. and how you behave. Mm. Okay, and, and there are various symptoms that could uh, find expression during depression, but this is not the usual day-to-day ups and downs. This is a lower end of your mood is significant. Um, and, and some people could adversely affect or impact on their level of functioning, mm. um, whether in relationships, work, and all that sort of activities of daily living. If it gets to the point of affecting you, mm. uh, then we, we speak about clinical depression. So That's you could cool. have the daily ups and downs, but beyond that, you've got actual disorder mm. and clinical depression could be diagnosed. And there are various symptoms we could talk about. So what what are the symptoms, these symptoms you're talking about? Yeah, so that uh, the symptoms can be grouped into three uh, sort of broad categories. So you've got um, the symptoms that come from uh, your, how you feel or how you think. Mm-hmm. Um, so psychological sort of symptoms where you're, you're predominantly thinking about negative thoughts. Mm. Uh, you, your recollection is all sort of sad memories, sad thoughts. Um, there's a feeling of unhappiness mm. if you're miserable. Um, and there's a loss of pleasure. So the things that you would normally enjoy doing, um, you find that you've lost um, a sense of enjoyment for the basic things that you usually enjoy. Mm. Some people might actually pull away from friends, pull away from social settings. Mm. Um, but predominantly, you are uh, introspective. You're predominantly uh, you know, laden with negative thoughts and ruminations. Mm. Um, some some people have feelings of guilt. Some will have a very pessimistic sort of outlook to life. Mm-hmm. And and this is not because you want to. And mm. um, it, it's it's just comes over you, and you find that you're not able to shake that off. Uh, and sometimes it could carry on for weeks and months. Um, and then you've got those biological symptoms which are clearly indicative of what's happening in your body mm. due to the state of your mind. Mm. Um, for example, if you are unusually tired, fatigued, mm. even when you've done nothing, you might find it difficult to sleep at night. Mm. Um, you know, or if you do sleep, you struggle, you drop off, and then you wake up intermittently uh, mm. throughout the night. Mm. Um, some might wake up earlier than usual. Mm. So sleep is disturbed. Some people might sleep less, others will sleep a lot more. Mm. <laughs> and, mm. and then those functioning of the body that rely on mm-hmm. you know sleep and the appetites of the body are all affected mm. for example you, you, mm. you may not feel like eating at all or you may feel like eating too much so some people might lose weight mm. others might gain a whole lot of weight you know mm. um so the, the the functions of the body biological symptoms including your sexual functioning could be affected mm. um so all those are just some examples of what could uh, find expression. So there's the way you think, mm-hmm. psychological symptoms, there's the bodily symptoms, which I've just mm-hmm. said about your energy levels, mm-hmm. fatigue, tiredness, sleep, mm-hmm. appetite changes, you know, mm-hmm. weight changes, all those things could mm-hmm. find expression in, in depression. And then you've got the thought category, which is usually noticeable by other people. 
mm. um, you might you might find that uh, your productivity drops off. You're able to function at the level that you would usually do. You might struggle at work, for example, mm. uh, on finished projects. Or mm. if you do finish your projects, you don't do them as well as you could have done um, due to poor concentration or inability to focus. Mm. You know, all those things are uh, clear indications that something isn't right. And mm. people around you who know you well can can tell sometimes that something isn't right yeah um, and overall you just find that your interpersonal uh functioning mm-hmm. is diminishes and your productivity diminishes as well so what um all these things you've just mentioned what what are the causes what what causes depression yeah so again that's the question most people would want to ask but I mean, broadly speaking, um, all mental health problems are usually sort of multifactorial. Mm. Uh, That simply means there'll be multiple factors at play. Mm -hmm. Um, So some people become depressed after an event of life. Mm. You've had something terrible happen to you. Mm. uh, And in reaction to that, they might become low and become you know, sort of preoccupied with the thoughts of the life event that has happened, like losing a loved one mm. uh, or losing a job that you really love, uh, your means of livelihood or mm. something significant. Mm. Um, or you've been abused or, mm. you know, traumatized in some way, mm. uh, deceived, used, you know. There, there are certain, certain experiences in life that throw you off completely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there could be those who develop depression over many years of mm. multiple minor sort of disappointments, failures, mm. and all the issues of life, you know, which could trigger childhood mm. trauma. So some mm. of those things that happened in your childhood could be triggered by events in your adulthood in the present day. Okay. Mm. Mm. So in a sense, in a, broadly speaking, we have predisposing factors. As those things that make you more likely to become depressed mm-hmm. from your past or from mm-hmm. your genetic makeup. Mm-hmm. And then you have the uh, precipitating factors. Mm-hmm. So those precipitating factors are the things happening right now that are triggering it to develop. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have the perpetuating factors. So those three Ps help, help you to remember predisposing, precipitating, mm. and perpetuating factors. So the things that you do or how you respond to feeling low could keep it going for years for example uh, when you don't take the right steps if you find that you're stuck in the place where you're depressed but I know I've gone sort of broadly in answering the question but you could simplify it further basically Mm. by saying there are inherent genetic factors or part of your makeup let's say uh, you know family lineage issues or factors Mm. um, for example, your mom was depressed, your, your, your parents have a history of depression, uh, your, your mom's you know, mom or dad had depression, you might find that as an inherent predisposition to you becoming depressed as well. Okay, so mm-hmm. but outside of that, there's nature mm-hmm. and there is nurture. So nurture, they're referring to your life events, life experiences, your upbringing. So there are several things that could... Uh, you know, lead to somebody caving in and becoming low in mood or depressed, mm. if that makes sense. So multiple yeah. things. And so when you see somebody who is low, um, usually as a friend, um, it, with your listening ear, you, you want to find out, is there any particular 
event, any recent thing that's happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you can put your finger on that, it might help mm-hmm. uh, and resolve in that episode by trying to resolve the problem, the root cause, the trigger, mm-hmm. if it is possible. Mm-hmm. And but but if they can't put a finger on anything that's happened recently that's led to it, mm-hmm. um, then you're left wanting to track whether there's a past history, whether there's, you know, um, family history, whether other things that have predisposed this person to becoming law mm. and in the absence of any specific triggers. So the, the part that still puzzles me is, or I wouldn't use that word puzzles, it's just I'm wondering that um, how can family history, hmm. and even some people might not even live with their biological parents and still have this. How do you put that together? Because I'm just wondering, how can someone, you know, because you're extended family or grandparents or great-grandparents or even parents that, you know, experience that, and all of a sudden you too, you also, because you're you're their biological child, you Mm. could, you could, you You know. You could, yeah. Yeah. So the the risk is higher. Mm. Um, Yeah. I think at some put it at different sort of levels. There could be one in three mm-hmm. uh, chance of developing mm-hmm. a serious mental illness if your parents, for example, had it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're looking at schizophrenia or depression, okay, or, or bipolar affective disorder, mm-hmm. and it's it's something that's not entirely understood. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Um, and uh, there's all sorts of research that's gone into this, but there's also a lot of debate mm. about it, the, the actual roots. So this is something that's not entirely understood. Mm. But there is some evidence that uh, there are genetic risk factors um, that might be involved in somebody having that predisposition okay. Okay, to develop uh, depression. So if all the factors were right, if all mm. the environmental factors were right, mm-hmm. um, uh, they're more likely to be depressed than the average person, if that makes sense. Okay. So just, just having a sort of a, a family history does not mm. in itself make you uh, somebody who would definitely have it. But, but it makes you more likely than the average person within the population mm. to have a mental health problem if there is a family uh, history. So on, it, on, on, on two counts. One, the genetic risk factor, yeah, but also the yeah. impact of somebody who's mentally unwell having raised you. So there could be mm. a knock-on environmental impact, you know, as well. Oh, oh um, yes. Oh yes. Which, yeah, which could take effect, you know. For example, people who are depressed but maybe may drink more, maybe angry more, maybe more mm-hmm. irritable. Mm-hmm. And you may find that you've grown up within an environment where your mom was always shouting, always mm-hmm. angry, or your mm-hmm. dad even mm-hmm. uh, drinking to drown out their souls. But mm-hmm. That has affected you environmentally in terms of the external factors, but you mm-hmm. do have the inherent factors as well. Oh yes, oh yes. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So the genetic factors and environmental factors. Yeah. Good. Yeah. That's uh that's good to know. That's good to know. So uh, these um people that are going through or you know um experiencing these symptoms or uh, or already diagnosed with depression. So mm-hmm. how do they um, cope with it or mm-hmm. uh, overcome the feelings, the thoughts? Yeah. How do they, how can they cope with this? Yeah. So I, I suppose, what, first of all, when you notice that you are feeling low, mm-hmm. um, I think there's something about acknowledging what's going on. Okay. Um, 
because some people are actually not very self-aware. That's true. Um, so you just plow ahead. You know, you're struggling. Mm-hmm. Your 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 mind is all over the place. You mm-hmm. can't sleep well. There's some people who just plow ahead. You know, mm-hmm. with life. Yeah. Wake up, drag themselves, get some coffee, stay awake. Even if they had a poor night, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or they're not eating properly. They decide, well, maybe I'm just off food this month. They, you know, some people find some way of uh, explaining everything that's going on with them without mm-hmm. recognizing actually I might be low in mode. Maybe there's something else going on. So mm-hmm. self awareness, I would say, is the first thing. Yeah. And acknowledging what's happening. Mm-hmm. The next step is to talk. Talk to somebody. Yeah. Because when you notice that you are becoming, and there's some very not uh, sort of not very common ways you could find expression in certain cultures, for example, mm-hmm. it, it may not be that you're sitting down at the corner of the room, tearful, crying, and things mm-hmm. like that. It mm-hmm. may be that you're a lot more volatile, a lot more irritable, as I said, a lot more angry for no reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but you notice your mood is fluctuating, and when you when you do things like that, you go back and sulk and regret and cry on your mm. own. Maybe see there's some changes there. Mm. You need to talk to somebody. And I think the, the first thing is to think about who you can confide in, mm-hmm. usually within your circle of friends or mm-hmm. brothers, sisters, family. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and secondly, keep active, try and maintain a routine. Because mm-hmm. the tendency is that when you're low, there's lack of motivation. You're yeah. not able to sort of maintain the usual mm-hmm. routines. Things like exercise, eating well, sleeping mm-hmm. well, and just being able to, um, you know, avoid pulling away from social contacts or mm. from those that might be of help, if that yeah. makes sense. Mm-hmm. So one, yeah. awareness, mm-hmm. acknowledging it, um, try and um, keep a lifestyle that maintains the certain structure and routine mm-hmm. until it blows over, hopefully, for some people mm-hmm. can recover mm-hmm. without any intervention uh, and thoroughly speak to somebody. Um, mm-hmm. and, and if you do, um, be frank and be open with a yeah. trusted person. Yeah. Uh, and, and finally, um, avoid uh, maladaptive ways of coping. What, what does that mean? It means... There's some things you do when you're feeling low that actually makes it worse, mm. right? <laughs> For example, some people will start drinking excessively to be able to get to sleep or to mm. drown out their sorrows, as I've used that frame, phrase before, mm. or use illicit drugs like cannabis because it mm. quietens you and it calms you. For some mm. people, they would say, well, cannabis mm. helps me to calm down. Mm. But actually what it does is to depress your system, your central nervous system is further depressed by, by those mm. substances. And when the effects wear off, you might actually be a lot more depressed than, than you were before you had Absolutely, it. absolutely. Okay, um, try and regular, regularize your sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, there are certain activities that might help you relax, go for mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, inform yourself about what's going on, read up on depression, and, and be patient with yourself. Don't... Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to be kind to yourself and compassionate to yourself. Oh, yes. Um, so self-compassion mm-hmm. is not common. It's not common to all, unfortunately. So mm-hmm. but you have to you have to recognize I'm struggling. I, I need a, I need to pay attention to myself. Mm-hmm. I need to take mm-hmm. a break. I need mm-hmm. to get away. I need to find something that will refresh and refill. Yeah. You know, all those basic things that you can yeah. do for yourself. So at that level, I think it starts with you acknowledging, mm-hmm. talking. Mm-hmm. Avoiding maladaptive ways of coping, mm-hmm. maintain a routine for yourself, sleep, mm-hmm. appetite, exercise, and 
And anything that refreshes you, that relaxes you, try and factor that into your week. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> I'm taking notes as well. Okay, so you you mentioned about um, uh, coping with depression, and um, I'm just going to go over all the things you just shared with us. You yeah. mentioned that uh, the person should uh, accept mm-hmm. and acknowledge that you know they've got this problem, that something is going on, and mm-hmm. uh, so you you know you know the things I said earlier on were mostly around self-help what you could do on your own yeah okay yeah yeah. so these are the things the individual can do on their own on their own self-awareness acknowledging that um they have this low mood or you know there's something going on that they need to pay attention to you know talk to a trusted person Um, yeah trusted friend or family or um Keep active. They should keep active. Exercise and do things that you know will keep them going and not isolate. They shouldn't isolate. Uh, mm-hmm. Avoid maladaptive ways of coping. So yeah. maladaptive. I'm learning as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maladaptive. Yeah. And that means all the wrong habits. That all we, the wrong habits we, we we take on because we're feeling that we want to share oh. ourselves mm. and we end up doing more. More smoking, drinking, you know, yeah. doing things yeah. that will harm them more. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, sleep they should regularize their sleep. No, you know, go to bed at the right time and not yeah. stay awake all night. And you yeah. know, it makes the, it makes the situation worse, isn't it? Makes makes it worse. So yeah. in, in in essence, try and maintain a routine for yeah. yourself. Mm. Okay, a routine around your regular functioning, your eating, your sleeping, mm-hmm. and your active physical activity like exercise. Mm. Uh, um, we usually encourage at least up to about thirty minutes of mild yeah. to moderate exercise daily, even if it's just a brisk walk mm. to this shop and back. Mm. But make sure you move, keep moving. Yeah, yeah, because that that helps you not just physically but mentally as well. As well. So the 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 person should um, get informed about the situation, what they're feeling. Yeah. You yeah. know, also to be compassionate, be compassionate and be kind to yourself. Yeah, that is very yeah. important. Uh, important. Yeah. Be kind to yourself. Self compassion very important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so this is for individuals that mm-hmm. are experiencing this. So what mm-hmm. about? What's the second category? So, so, um, so especially this would help where you have a mild depression. Okay. This or, or, th- or things are beginning to change and you notice it, right? Okay. Um, but after you've done all that, at least you've tried doing all that, you mm-hmm. know, maintaining a routine, talking okay. to people, etc. You find that your mood isn't lifting, uh, but it's going down and mm-hmm. things are mm-hmm. getting worse. And mm-hmm. um, what you would need to do is to see your GP. So you seek professional help. I think that for most people, the first point of contact would be the GP, the general mm-hmm. practitioner, yeah, who would see you try and see if they can diagnose uh, depression. There will be standard tests to be used to mm-hmm. uh, and questionnaires to be used to sort of come to a definitive diagnosis mm-hmm. um, and if you're depressed they could categorize your depression into mild moderate or severe depression 
And if it is mild, it's usually down to the numbers of symptoms and severity of those symptoms. Mm-hmm. So the more the numbers of the symptoms you experience, and remember I said psychological, biological, and social oh. symptoms, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the more uh, 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 the number or severity mm-hmm. of those symptoms, mm-hmm. uh, the more they're graded, you know, down up to very severe mm-hmm. uh, depression where you're just not functioning at all, mm-hmm. right? And in some cases, people don't even want to come outside at all. You don't want to eat at all. Mm. Uh, and in very bad cases, people could actually develop psychosis on top of that. Mm. So you do have psychotic depression, but that's a very extreme end extreme. Of, of the spectrum. Uh, the GPCSU comes forward with a diagnosis mm-hmm. and could initiate treatment. Yeah. Uh, and usually could go from uh, sending you to a counsellor Mm-hmm. Um, giving you some self-help uh, websites where you could mm-hmm. do uh, online CBT, mm-hmm. for example. Mm-hmm. And some GPs can refer you for that. So you can sit at your home, log in, and do some online soft, uh, non-intensive CBT type work, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and if that's not helping, you can take it one step further mm-hmm. and actually send you to uh, a cognitive behavioral therapist. Mm-hmm. This is a psychologist who knows how to help you restructure how you think mm-hmm. so that you so that how you feel mm-hmm. can begin to respond positively mm-hmm. and your behavior can change because what we think yeah. influences how we feel mm-hmm. and how we feel would always influence how you behave oh, yes. or your actions oh yes so if we can help you um, um, look at understand and restructure your thinking recognize the wrong ways of thinking mm-hmm. and to challenge wrong thinking so that you mm-hmm. can replace them or, or actually refuse to walk down that path so to mm-hmm. speak yeah then you, you can begin to take control of how you feel and therefore what you do or don't do can begin to Mm. Okay, so yeah. cognitive behavioral therapy is a talking therapy yeah. um, that your GP could refer you to. If, mm. if that isn't helping, you could take it one step further. You could have prescriptions, like mm. you know, uh, um, like antidepressants can be mm-hmm. prescribed, mm-hmm. Um, and you could, in more severe cases, you could have a combination of uh, an antidepressant mm-hmm. and uh, talking therapy at the same time. Uh, or you could have a combination of two or more anti- antidepressants, for example. So um, so there are multiple things you could do in stepped manner. So they're graded sort of uh, as a graded approach to treating depression, depending on the severity oh, of your yeah. depression. And in, in the most severe cases where all has failed, the GP could obviously refer you on to secondary tertiary mental health services that would specialize in, in seeing people who are severely depressed. Mm. And you, you could have specialist psychiatric care where you could be admitted into maybe a local hospital, for example, mental health hospital, and be observed mm. and treated properly. Mm. And you could even have electroconvulsive therapy with the ECT, which is not the usual first thing you think about, but could be the last resort in some mm. cases. So what what's that? So the electroconvulsive what, what does that mean? <laughs> the electroconvulsive therapy involves the use of uh, specially prepared and delivered electric shocks, uh, mm. which helps to sort of realign uh, your neuronal sort of uh, pathways, so to speak, and also helps uh, your mood to uh, it kind of jumpstarts your mood states by giving you a shock, so to mm. speak in the most layman's term I can find. Mm. Um, but, but it's been proven to be 
um, quite effective in, in, in the most severe cases of depression where people are actually at risk mm. of, of, of either dying or by self-neglect, like not eating or drinking for days. Mm. Um, or people are catatonic where they can't even move a limb or do anything at all for mm-hmm. themselves. Or you have a stupor mm. state, so to speak. And um, mm. so, so, but it's not most people that will require that. It's the very extreme end where you try different things and it's yeah. not working. Mm-hmm. And um, and there's an urgency to to get you out of that state. Then the mm-hmm. ECT mm-hmm. electroconvulsive therapy becomes an option. But most of us will probably respond to an antidepressant or talking therapy or a combination of both. Of both. Of both. Yeah. You, you, you know, I was about to ask what are the treatments earlier, but you've covered it. You've yeah. covered it. So how can friends and family support their loved ones? going through this um yeah i think i think uh, we can all do something to help mm. um and if somebody comes to you and says i'm feeling low uh the first thing the first responsibility you have is not to make the situation worse mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever you say yeah <laughs> sometimes just active listening without yeah. saying much mm-hmm. um and being present mm-hmm. with the individual Mm-hmm. Um, give them a sense that you are listening mm-hmm. and that you're there to support them. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's that's all you need to it's do. Needed. Yeah. Okay. Um, they may not be in a position where they're looking for you to fix them. No, mm-hmm. you're not there to answer all the questions. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're being there to be present. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. You're present in their pain. You sit mm-hmm. with their pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and if there's some trigger, as I said earlier on, where a life event has occurred, a relationship breakdown, mm-hmm. uh, job loss, mm-hmm. uh, they've, lost a, they've lost a child mm-hmm. or a loved one, and um, you know what the trigger is, then it's easier to then support them mm-hmm. with, uh, you know, walking to the bereavement of that loss or mm-hmm. signposting them to mm-hmm. uh, somebody who might be of help, mm-hmm. pastoral care in the church mm-hmm. setting, or encouraging them to see the GP, for example. Mm-hmm. So, you, you first be present, be compassionate, mm-hmm. non-judgmental, mm-hmm. because that's a sense that people look at you and say, oh, my friend, you are being lazy. Now, come on, pull yourself up. And, but it's not that it's simple. Not helpful. Mm. I mean, nobody wants to be depressed. But when you're depressed, you find that you, you can't switch it on or off because it's, it's something that's uh, beyond the sort of day-to-day fluctuations. of. So again, um you know, be a watchful eye, um, be present. Mm. Um, but the only time when an active intervention is necessary, or one of the few times, is actually when the person is at risk to themselves mm. or to others, in which case you can't stand by and watch. You have to yeah. mm. involve the appropriate services to mm. um, assist the individual who is suffering. Mm. All right. But more often than not, uh, those people who are very uh, good friends that they confide in will listen to them and yeah. say, you know, yeah. get to see the GP. You can say, let let me take you. I'll come along with you. Mm. Um, and 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 it's it's really important because those same people might be there to call emergency services to say, mm. I think I think this person is considering harming themselves or, or even worse, taking their lives. You should intervene at that point. Mm-hmm. At that point, yeah, 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 yeah. and and you know how to intervene by. You know, involving emergency services. Mm. Uh, it could be NHS one one one, or or the local crisis team within your locality. 
or indeed AME, mm. help them get to the nearest AME where yeah. you you have psychiatric li- liaison teams in mm. most of the emergency departments who can support with the quick you know assessment of of a crisis and yeah. providing the initial support. Mm. Um, mm. And and there could be home care, you know. Yeah. So the fact that you uh, pitch up at the emergency department doesn't mean you'll be automatically admitted because you mm. sought help. Mm. Sometimes you could have a crisis home treatment teams mm-hmm. um, come to support you at home. Mm. In most places, they will have yeah. these such teams. Yeah. Um, and your admission will only happen when um, it is absolutely necessary and there's a risk to yourself at all. Thanks for sharing that. Thanks for sharing that. So our um, listeners, friends and family, how you can support um, your loved ones going through um depression so you did mention um if someone comes to you and said this sometimes people with that will not come to you isn't it mm-hmm. yeah. they wouldn't come so for so if a friend or family now um can see that this person is not themselves mm-hmm. and they approach how do they do that so if they approach that person and the person now is saying leave me alone mind your own business yeah, yeah. what do they do so I think there could be different scenarios that could be at play here, isn't it? You you could have somebody who is depressed but lives alone. Um, mm. And, you know, you might be the only one who is able to speak to them on the phone mm. or FaceTime them or visit. Mm. Um, and, and I would say keep in touch, you know, keep keep supportive, be, be a watchful eye yeah, um, watchful over eye. them. Mm. But then there, there are others who might live within their family, uh, with it, with family members or mm. maybe with their partners or spouse, mm. um, in which case, obviously, they may not, even if they don't talk to you about it, you would observe what's happening. Yeah. Right? Mm. Um, and same thing would apply. Mm. Um, be, be a listening ear, mm-hmm. be present, yeah. encourage them to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and as I said, don't be quick to give advices and mm-hmm. things that you don't mm-hmm. understand. Uh, just being present and mm-hmm. being a watchful eye mm-hmm. and then being able to support them to get help to speak yeah. to professionals might be all that's required um, mm-hmm. in, in a lot of cases. However, as I said, if you observe that there are certain behaviors that could put them at risk, mm-hmm. um, for example, you see them not washing, not eating, not drinking for a week or more, mm-hmm. um, and they've locked themselves in, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're telling you life is not worth living, mm-hmm. uh, and you think they might hurt themselves, yeah. then that you need to get help urgently. And mm-hmm. and sometimes, um, even without their consent in that space, yeah. um, you know, obviously you have to do something to protect them. Mm-hmm. Um, and every adult, obviously, you would expect them to know what's good for them, but... Mm-hmm. You know, if mm-hmm. an adult doesn't want you to get help mm. and, it, and is opposed to everything you're offering, mm. more often than not, it can be very difficult to get help to them. Yeah. Um, but but that can be overridden if there's a risk to their life, if there's a mm. risk to their, you know, there's some terrible risk, you know, uh, of coming from their behavior. Mm. Uh, I mean, the, the instinctive thing to do is to go for help anyway, call for help anyway. Yeah. All right. Yeah. But yeah. if you have a young child or a young person, an mm-hmm. adolescent or a mm-hmm. child mm-hmm. who is depressed, who supposedly should be under the care of a parent, mm-hmm. um, you, you you need to, the issue of consent may not be as much of an issue. You do need their consent, of mm-hmm. course. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also, you have that parental 
involvement and consent mm. into care mm. um, for, for, for children. There are some children that, even in their early teens, could be deemed uh, to have the capacity to say yes or no. Mm. Uh, you know, the so-called gilig competency, you know. But, mm. but, but I'm, I'm trying to sort of distinguish between adults and mm. children or teenagers, mm. but also adults that live alone uh, or adults that live within families are dependent on other people, etc. Those mm. scenarios could play differently, but mm. ultimately the present principles would apply. Be a listening ear, be mm-hmm. present, mm-hmm. Um, and encourage them to get help. Yeah. Um, and if you think the risks have changed, mm-hmm. then get help fast <laughs> and encourage get them help to fast. get help fast. Yes. Important. Get help yeah. fast. Thank you for sharing all these um, tips or points. Our listeners are listening. You've just heard all the things uh, Dr. Okura has shared with us about supporting and helping um, our loved ones, you know, going through depression. Um, mm. Also, why why is um, seeking help very important, professional help? Why is it important? Yeah, I think it's really uh, important because obviously you want to get the right kind of help. Mm-hmm. And, and you want to get that right help early. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and that professional help is crucial mm-hmm. to getting the right kind of help because there are all sorts of remedies out there, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All kinds of uh, things that people would say, family members, mm-hmm. cultural approaches to mm-hmm. dealing mm-hmm. with depression yeah. uh, and spiritual approaches to dealing with depression in mm-hmm. some instances, which may not be well-informed, mm-hmm. unfortunately. And, and in some Places people just tell you to pray and that's it. You don't have to seek for help. Mm. No, a good a good part of your audience might be people of faith, for example. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and I've I've always advocated that um, therapy and faith are not mutually exclusive. Oh yeah. I, I think they're complementary. Oh yes. Um, oh, yes. You can you can reach for professional help, mm-hmm. get the treatment you need, mm-hmm. and also build resilience and hope through your faith. Oh yes. Right? Oh yes. So so don't you need both of them to to rise from depression. You need both of them to stay out of depression. Mm. Um, and your faith is linked to a community of support, which yes. is really important when it yeah. comes to recovery and mm. staying well. Yes. So I've been um, I've had multiple invitations, different churches speaking about this subject. Mm-hmm. Um, and each time I've said to them, faith. Uh, it's not invalidated by antidepressants mm-hmm. or antipsychotics. Absolutely. You know, the, the fact that you swallow a tablet for mm. your condition does not mm-hmm. invalidate your faith in God. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And some people say if you're taking antidepressants, then you don't believe God to heal. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, people do say that, you know. That, and, that, that, yeah. yeah, but that's misleading because yes, it is. Um, all, all that we have as medicine or medicinal uh, um, you know, approaches to care mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are all spring from the creation of God. The same Bible we believe says yeah. God made all things, right? Yes, yes. And, and there are scriptures that point mm. to the fact that actually uh, Jesus endorsed, you know, those things. He said mm-hmm. it is those who are sick that need a physician. Physician, absolutely. And and, and God speaking, He said, uh, He said, "Is there no physician? Is there no balm in Gilead?" Mm. And we've seen where God has instructed a prophet to go fetch the herbs. Hezekiah, mm-hmm. when he was ill and, and mm-hmm. God revealed he was going to die, God said to him, I add more 15 years to you, but 
go and fetch a herb from your garden and apply it on where he had the problem. Mm. So God also used herbs in the process of healing, right? Mm. And finally, uh, Jesus had a disciple who was a physician. Physician, yeah. Whilst we're talking, I remembered. Yes, yes. So can two work together except they agree? Mm. Uh, It's not possible for two Mm -hmm. to work together except they agree. So so the concepts of medicinal approaches to all science in that sense Mm -hmm. is actually complementary. Um, And there's a scripture finally that's in Revelations um, that says that from the the throne of God flowed streams of living Mm -hmm. water and besides the streams were trees, and the leaves of those trees were for the healing of the nations. So we're, we're for medicinal purposes. So, purposes. so, so once again, um, taking antidepressants, receiving CBT, or any help at all for depression, mm-hmm. or any mental health problem, mm-hmm. does not mean you don't trust anymore. Does not mean you're not a strong believer. Does mm-hmm. not mean you don't have faith. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but you can receive that with faith in God and build resilience and recover yeah. from your condition through your yeah. faith. Faith. Yeah. And the faith community. So to believe that um, God can heal you as you're going through your treatment, you know. Yeah. So yeah. Don't yeah. absolutely. Don't don't give up on you know therapy or treatment because yeah. you think that probably God would be offended or that's a sin. No, that's you, yeah. we've just heard all the. Even the scriptures to support that. Yeah. You know? So um finally, what would you say to our listeners as your final word uh, about what you've just talked about? So what's yeah. your final word to our listeners? So yeah, the final word for, well, I'll split it into two. One, um, I can direct you to uh, a website where you can inform yourself a whole lot more about depression. Okay. And all and other mental health problems, and it is the Royal College of Psychiatrists website. Okay. Um, and I'll give it to you is www.rcsite.ac.uk. I'll repeat that. www.rcsite as in p s y c h p s y c h dot ac dot uk dot ac ac dot uk yep. yeah that's okay. right so if you get on the website um yep. you you will look at the subsections just click on mental health problems mm-hmm. all right or mental health to take you to various pages mm-hmm. um, and you will find information on almost all common mental health problems mm-hmm. um and in layman's language, in simple language mm. that would help you to understand whether it's depression or mm-hmm. psychosis mm-hmm. or peri- perimenopausal syndrome mm-hmm. or, you know, all sorts of problems, postnatal mm-hmm. depression, mm-hmm. Um, anything, alcohol dependence, drugs, mm-hmm. whatever that you're going through or your children are going through. If your child is autistic or has ADHD or anything like that, you can yeah. find that information on what to do mm. from this very, very good website, actually. That's on one hand. The other bit of my final word is never lose hope. Oh, yes. Never, never lose, lose hope. hope. Yes. There, there, there is light at the end of the tunnel. Listen mm-hmm. to me. The reason people uh, uh, you know, have poor outcomes in depression or other mental health problems 
is that they give up hope. Mm. Okay. Even if you tried everything that you think you need to try mm. or you, you that's available to you, mm-hmm. don't give up yeah. hope. Because yeah. beyond beyond what man can do, there there is nothing that God cannot can do. do. Mm. There is that the, your situation cannot be so bad that is beyond what God can turn around, mm. and, and your illness cannot be so bad that is beyond what the professionals can offer help. For. So reach for help and keep that hope alive. Oh, thank you, thank you for sharing. Thank you for all these wonderful tips that you've given us. So um, not to give up hope. Uh, yeah. Don't give up hope. God. Um, has not given up on you. <laughs> yeah, right. so don't give up and reach out for help. You know, reach out for help if you know that you know you're going through the situation that uh, you need help. Ask for help. Ask for help. Right. help out there. You know, speak to people. Don't keep quiet. Don't isolate yourself. Very important. Um, and there is, like um, Doctor Okoro said. There is nothing God cannot do. And you can also, uh, don't also say, um, I I don't want to take this treatment because of my faith. So we need to, we need to um, take care of ourselves, be compassionate to yourself, try to learn more about your condition and um, seek help. Go to your GP. If you need to ask a friend to come along with you, you know, or, Mm -hmm. You know, just reach out for don't don't isolate yourself. Don't isolate because that's where it can lead to other things when you isolate yeah. yourself and keep to yourself. So also yeah. friends and family, you should um have a watchful eye, be sensitive, don't be judgmental, don't be judgmental and uh, just be there, listen, listen to them and support them. So mm-hmm. um yeah, I'm just trying to recap on all the things Dr. Okura said. So please um, do reach out. so well with that. <laughs> <laughs> reach out for professional help if it's, you need it. Don't suffer mm-hmm. in silence. You know, um, uh, my podcast is called Restored Hope for a reason, that God can restore your hope. Those mm-hmm. um, those hopes that you have, especially those that have gone through abuse, you know, you've, uh, you've you're all your hope, and um, all the dreams that you have that you, you, you've kind of forgotten about or think that can't happen again, it can. Mm-hmm. It can. It can yeah. when, yes. you, when you go for uh, the right support. They, and there are support groups out there, isn't it? There are other yes. support groups that if you're with support groups that uh, maybe gone through similar problems, you know, you kind of um, be in that community, you, you get encouraged and also supported in the right way. So. Mm-hmm. Um, seek help and um they god has a plan for your life don't give up don't give up don't give up at all yes seek help. Up. thank you dr koro thank you very much You're i'm welcome. So Pleasure. glad that you you know you were able to come on t- tonight and share with us thank you and god bless thank god bless you. you thank you very much for having me you're welcome thanks for joining me this week on the restored hope podcast Check me out on Instagram at BCBadibor and on my Facebook page, Restored Hope. This is a private group for victims and survivors of domestic abuse where you can receive support and be empowered to live the life that you love. If you love the show, please share it with your friends and family. Also subscribe to the show to catch every episode and leave us a review so we can continue to bring you amazing content. 
Thank you for listening. Bye for now.